Hey, this is Brendan. And this is Vargas. And we're from Debates on Tap, here to tell you to come join us and some of our podcast friends on Sunday, March 6th. We're hosting a Mario Golf charity tournament to help raise money and awareness for Hope House, a domestic violence shelter here in Kansas City. We'll be at Cinderblock Brewery at 1 p.m. on March 6th, battling our friends from First Issue Club, Who the Hell is This For, and Nightmare Junkhead, and 18 Holes of Pure Chaos. Every donation you make to Hope House can also turn the tide in the favor of your favorite podcast. Not to mention, every donation gets you entered to win some amazing prizes, including free beer for a year from our friends at Boulevard. Mm, we should have led with that. Yeah, the free beer for a year. Yeah, most likely. So come on out to Center Block on March 6th at 1 p.m. and have fun with us for a great cause. Free beer for a year! What's that? Polka? No. The Metal. I'm going to get right into it. This is the best heavy metal podcast in the uh, entire universe. I'm Brian. And I'm Vargas. And this is The Onslaught. And uh, we talk about only important things, important metal things. Um, you know what we've, what we've become known for? We've become known for not only calling out bullshit, yeah. but roasting the bullshitters. Oh, okay. Now, here's the thing. I want to get into a real conversation with you real quick to open this show up. We have some real conversations. This is centered around metal, but it's going to take a little winding road, right? Yeah. Cancel culture. Now, I don't believe in cancel culture. It's not a thing. Cancel culture is not a thing. Whatever you think yeah. about it, there are people out there who they're making that their mission, right? To find every little thing that someone did wrong and point it out to the internet. Uh-huh. That they, they're trying to make cancel, cancel culture a thing. What cancel culture is, what people label as cancel culture uh-huh. is called repercussions for the things you do and say yeah being held accountable for your actions right uh-huh it's not uh, of course everyone young and old they people humans make mistakes so it's whether you own up to those mistakes like, oh that yeah that was me but nobody nobody is canceling other people right if we really want to get into it um i have a hard time with cancel culture because i have yet to hear and I'm sure that if anyone is fucking compelled to do it, we're going to get fired at in the comments about this. But I have yet to hear a compelling argument of someone who's actually been canceled. Like, Louis oh, C.K. is doing stand-up in New York. The, <laughs> it's not a thing. Um, uh, O.J. Simpson has a million followers on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, and like, he killed a guy. He straight up killed a person. It's not. It's It's having repercussions for your actions where someone somewhere is like, you know, we're not going to hire you right now. That's what you have to deal with for uh, forcing women to watch you jerk off. Right. And then you just have to go on Fox News. And and then you're accepted. (laughs) And then it's fine. I, of course, uh, this whole stream of of thought that I've been having stemmed from, first, the assholes that call themselves comedians that go on Joe Rogan's podcast to Uh, defend each other. Our our mortal enemy, Joe Rogan. (laughs) He's No, no, no. But here's the thing. He's not our mortal enemy. Yeah, he's just asking questions. Because lions can't be bothered with the thoughts of sheep, and we cannot be bothered uh-huh. by his thoughts. Oh, we're the lion. We are the lion. Oh, check. He's not, he's not the only bullshit podcast, is he? Yeah, you're listening to one right no, now. No, no, oh, we're the only heavy metal podcast. We were the lion. God, just get, have coffee for once. Just one time drink coffee to make to make your brain work. I'm sorry. I, we're a podcast, and now we're lions. I don't I don't know what's happening. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm still a man. What about what about Joe Rogan? Well, they, you know, we don't need to get into it, but con- good. Um, <laughs> uh, many many episodes were removed from Spotify uh, because w- 
in a room full of white men, they just thought they were quote unquote being comedians saying the N word just willy nilly. You know what? That word is very funny though. If you just say it over and over and over again. I'm going to make you sit in until you say your little joke, the, your there, word that starts with an N. There's no joke. That that was the mm-hmm. that was the dumb thing. It's not funny. That was the whole point. And you, did, you didn't fall into my trap like you should have. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I've learned. I've learned what you do. I've learned how you try to snare people. Now, what they did is, is stupid. There's no, they weren't even making jokes, right? They were just saying it for the shock. It was almost like yeah. Howard Stern 20 years ago, right? Just that was saying, my whole point, you dick. What? If you'd have just rolled with me. I thought you were going to do like, and we, as we all know, the N-word is Nancy. No. Because that's normally how you uh, how you twist your jokes. God, you of all people. What? Me of all people, what? <laughs> Nothing. So now we have um, a band on this show. On, well, we don't have them on the show, but uh, they're they competing against other bands. Blood Incantation went to, I think it was Loudwire or Metal Injection. Probably um, Blabbermouth. It wasn't Blabbermouth. I know that Damn for a fact. It. I think it was Metal Injection. Okay. They did an interview with um, with Metal Injection, and uh, they compared Gatekeeper to Taylor Swift and called both artists cookie cutters. Now. Hell yeah. Wait. <laughs> God. Ba- no, bad. Ooh. Ba- Ooh. I have already taken my vitamins today. I don't need you to be a pill. Okay? <laughs> okay. So flip your gears and reverse it. Okay. Uh, Taylor Swift is one of the... Uh, regardless of what you think of her, she's one of the most popular selling artists in the in the world. She had she she was the first one to fuck with Spotify, being like, I guess I'll just take all my shit off, or what? I can't I can't remember what happened, but it was like you don't pay artists enough, so yeah. you don't get my music. Yeah, basically, I think is what it was. She's fucked with uh, record labels, which none of us are really big fans of most record labels. Um, and she re-recorded all of her own stuff. She bought her catalogs back and re-recorded them all how they, she wanted them to originally sound. Regardless of what you think of her, she sells a lot of records. Mm-hmm. So you can call her cookie cutter, uh, whatever you want. Um, and then, of course, comparing them to Gatekeeper, comparing her to Gatekeeper was very strange, first of all, because I've never seen a Gatekeeper CD at Target, which is what specifically Blood Incantation said. If only. Yeah. Give it to the masses. Give the people what they want. Um, but um, And so... I, I don't know. You can have your opinions, right? Opinions are fine. Opinions are normal. Everybody has them. But then you have to live with it. Yeah. So I really, all I think Blood Incantation did was give more uh, more people notoriety of Gatekeeper. I think Gatekeeper gained more fans because of Blood Incantation's uh, quotes. Well, considering that... <laughs> yeah. Gatecreepers either had a really bad month or a really good month in the last 30 days with with this, the whole blood mm-hmm. incantation thing, and also uh, uh, our friend friend of the show, Chris Barnes, call oh. it, calling them out specifically. Gatecreeper. You said blood yeah. incantation had a good or bad month. Oh, sorry. Gatecreeper. Gate yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> and again, I think Chris Barnes... Did you say friend of the show, Chris Barnes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's well, call him super fan. He's probably uh, a fan. Yeah, he this is the only is. podcast he can listen to because he can't. St- he physically gets ill listening to other podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he also gave Gatekeeper more fans probably after yeah. he shit on some of the best death metal acts going today. They were probably like, 
you know, this guy's taste is reversed, so I got to go see what he hates. I need to go check this out. Yeah. And now everybody's like, oh, yeah, Gate Creeper's really good. Yeah. I think... I think maybe maybe we're on some maybe it's a conspiracy maybe blood incantation has this weird like idolization of Chris Barnes and they were like if we shit on so, if we subtly shit on somebody that he shit on maybe he'll notice us notice me senpai and he, maybe six feet under will take us on tour guess what blood incantation nobody's gonna buy tickets to that because that show sounds like shit also blood incantation would definitely be the headliner of that show yeah but uh, you think Chris Barnes would take him on tour if they were the headliner no no also fun take spicy take planetary duality from the faceless is better than that alien record that blood incantation Ooh, that is a spicy take is it yeah i think it's pretty mild uh, fire off in the uh, in the comments uh at the onslaught pod uh, on both instagram and twitter and let us know if you think planetary duality is better than what the fuck is it called humans hid, are hidden, now here hidden history of the human race see can't even say it i just i just said it what was it Hidden history of the human race. Look at you. You can't even say it. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's all I have, though. Oh. I think we're back in sync. Our intro, our first 10 minutes was rough, but I think we're here again. Yeah, because you wouldn't just follow me down my hole. I'd follow you into all your holes, bro. Uh, I have one little piece of heavy metal news. Um, Rush announced a 40th anniversary edition of Moving Pictures easily one of the best albums ever recorded when's that coming out uh it is available for pre-order expected to ship april 15th well rush to whatever site you order those from and uh, that's what you were trying to get at yeah. i get it uh so if anyone out there uh any onslaught super fans uh want to donate 289 dollars and 99 cents <laughs> to the vargas gets the super deluxe edition of moving pictures 40th backstage exclusive super deluxe edition that's what it's called that's too long of uh that's like history of the human deluxe edition yeah but i want it because i want um all five vinyls that it comes with all three cds and a dvd i want the drumsticks i want the die cast car i want the backstage passes with guitar picks the set lists the books the drumsticks looks like it comes with a, a patch because <laughs> it comes with a lot of cool shit and i want all of it uh i have some heavy metal news this past oh, okay. friday uh zeal and ardor released their new album zeal and ardor uh, and it's really fucking good. Wait, the album's called Zeal and Ardor? Mm-hmm. Oh, they didn't. They haven't done a, a self-titled yet? No. Mm-hmm. No, it's not called self-titled. It's called Zeal and Ardor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, but we, Vargas and I talked before we started recording about how much, um, how many singles they released <laughs> beforehand, because it was like five singles. Yeah, there were only two songs on the album <laughs> that we <laughs> haven't heard. It, it, it legit was about half the album uh, that they released. Well, just under half. And uh, But... Sometimes when bands do that, when they, I, when they release singles, I told Brendan this, a uh, friend friend of this show and co-host of another show, Debates on Tap, every Monday, that sometimes when bands release singles, it's like, oh, shit, it's really good. And then you listen to the album and you're like, oh, I see why they led with those singles because this is not, the rest of it's not great. And that is not the case for this album. So make sure to go. It's on any anywhere you can buy albums. It's there. So go get it. It's really, really good. Uh, and of course, Dylan Arter is on this podcast as well. 
So you should buy that and also the 40th anniversary of moving pictures. I thought you wanted people to donate money to you so you could buy it. Well, they should buy it and also donate money to me. So you want them to see, you want fans of this show to spend $500 on rush. Yeah. Hmm, seems like a scam. thousand percent. <laughs> I think Russia, I think they're okay. Spend your money. Go buy $500 albums from Bandcamp. No, donate. <laughs> donate. Oh, donate on March 6th. That too. At Cinderblock at 1 p.m. for Hope House Mario Golf Tournament. But also, Kansas City. but also donate to me. Specifically. Specifically. And you don't have to donate $500. You only have to donate 290 So you're saving money, really. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, let's get into it. What do we What do we have today? Today we have Exhumed versus I forgot who Brian has. You really did, yeah. Mastodon, Mastodon. We talked about it before the show. We did. We talked about Mastodon. I didn't put two and two together. You struggle? Are you okay? What's wrong today? Did you have coffee? Did you sleep okay? Where's my, your head? I'm, Find your head. My my head's in Exhumed land. Where we'll get it out of there. No, we can't reshuffle it. No, and then put it back. Never. Well, you go first, since, and then after you're done, dig your head out of Exumland. Come of, back to the living. I thought for sure you were going to say out of my ass. <laughs> Not out of your own ass. Yeah. <clears throat> I have Exhumed. <laughs> Great. Yeah. It's a good start. Uh, they were formed in 1990 by a then 15-year-old Matt Harvey in uh, yeah. uh, California. Ah. I was trying to think of a city. I can't think of it because uh, I didn't write it down. Um, even though they wouldn't record an album, uh, their debut album until 1998, they recorded a couple Eight of years. Huh? Yeah. Well, he was 15 years old. So yeah, he's got school. He had to go through puberty, <laughs> had, to, yeah. had to finish high school, uh, had to get some, some pubes down there, you know, that stuff. What? <laughs> uh, Harvey and exhumed were influenced by bands like carcass terrorizer and repulsion. And it shows on their debut album, gore metal. Uh, early exhumed combines grindcore and death metal in an effort to be as fast and extreme as possible. Think um, like symphonies of sickness carcass. It's kind of what they sound like. Okay. Right. Right between, you know, it's not, it's not napalm death, but it's not cannibal corpse. Yeah. It's somewhere in there. Um, Harvey said that gore metal was the album where exhumed developed its vision, although conceded that quote, we were still very loose and sloppy and didn't really have a handle on recording at all. Listening back to that record, I like most of the songs, but the production is awful sounding, which I think totally tracks for most early death metal band albums. Yeah, for sure. Like stuff shows promise. Oh, that's a cool song, but it sounds like shit. Yeah. Um, I also found an interesting story about producer James Murphy. Uh, for those of us out there who don't know who James Murphy is, he played guitar on Spiritual Healing by Death. He played lead guitar on Cancer's Death Shall Rise, Obituary's Cause of Death, Testament's Low, and Testament's The Gathering, and has done guest appearances and solos for bands like Abigail Williams, Gore Guts, World Under Blood, and Malevolent Creation, just to name a few. He's a pretty big name. He's a huge dude. Yeah. Um, and for him to do production on this album was a pretty big get for a relatively unknown band. Yeah. Um, anyway, Murphy was producing gore metal and lost a bunch of songs that were recorded for the album um, due to erratic behavior, which led him to be, uh, he was evicted from his studio. James Murphy, James Murphy, okay. because he was suffering from brain cancer at the time. Yikes. Uh, he was, yeah. Very yikes. Um, but g- good news. 
Um, he has made a recovery. He's still living. Looks like he's doing just fine. He's still involved in the metal scene. Um, so it was good, but I think it's, this is one of those interesting, Oh, what ifs, you know, what if he didn't have this terrible brain cancer and what else would he have produced? And well, what songs did we lose from early exhumed? What, I'm sure what did they sound like rewritten them a little bit for other albums. Probably. probably. Um, so Exum's second album, Slaughter Cult, is definitely an evolution for the band. Uh, it maintains the intensity of gore metal, but adds uh, more sophisticated mu- musical ideas. And that's kind of the story of Exhumed. Um, they really try to keep the death metal intensity of this early stuff. Um, but as the dudes get better at playing their instruments, they just add that into the mix. Um Imagine if Carcass or Death kept all that progressive stuff they did with their later albums, but maintained that uh, grindcore edge that they had with their beginning. That's exhumed. Um, Harvey said that Slaughter Cult was the album where we came closest to achieving our goal. Just a, a brutal, simple, direct group of songs that were very upfront and live sounding which I think is a cool idea trying to maintain the live show sound in a studio environment. Um, I think a lot of bands try to do that, but with the way the music industry works, you end up getting a lot of, a lot of production sound, right? Stuff sounds like it came out of an album or excuse me, out of a studio as opposed to out of a live set instead of trying to take songs that you have live and make them sound better. Anyway, the band would continue to evolve musically with their 2003 release, Anatomy is Destiny, embracing more of a melodic sound while maintaining some of the crushing vocals and wall of sound drums. Um, oh, before I move on to Anatomy, one interesting thing about Super Cult or Slaughter Cult is that they made a specific decision to limit the amount of double bass on the album for why i don't they know didn't say they just they didn't say um i think that part of it was they were trying to steer away from what was going on in death metal at the time like relying on a lot of just driving double bass almost for no reason so they steered the exact opposite direction which is absolutely fucking insane for a death metal album yeah anatomy is destiny um i think if they would have nailed some more memorable choruses or pushed their sound like a hair more progressive and melodic, that this album would be up there with like heartwork and sound of perseverance in the death metal pantheon. Pretty ballsy to say it is. It is. Um, it, it was a little bit late to the game coming out in 2003. Um, but if you listen to it, it sounds like it's right up there with hard work. I mean, it's so, so, so good. And it's so close to being that classic album. Yeah. Um, and again, that's the story of exhumed. They're like, <laughs> they're right there. They just don't have that like lightning strike moment of, crossing over into the the total mainstream are they the exodus of death metal to you i really think so and i I mean i didn't think it at the beginning of the week when i started writing this 
but the more I listened to them and the more I did the research, it's like, God, these guys are so good and they need to be talked about more. Maybe you got some Stockholm syndrome. Maybe you've just been trapped <laughs> listening in a room and you're like, no, this is good. No, 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 no. no, no. They treat me very well. <laughs> uh, so after anatomy, founding drummer Cole Jones left the band, which left Harvey to try and control basically everything the band did from a business and creative sense. Um, shortly after that, guitarist Mike Beams left as well. So while trying to rebuild the band's lineup, Exhumed put out a double album of old tracks, like old demos and stuff from gore metal that, you know, the vast audience didn't really get an opportunity to listen to. Um, and once they got a full lineup, uh, recorded a cover album <laughs> called Garbage Days Re-Regurgitated. Oh, I wonder <laughs> where they got that name from. <laughs> Which really makes me laugh. Um Unfortunately, Harvey never got over losing Cole and Mike and was quickly burnt out on Exhumed. So in 2005, uh, Exhumed disbanded. Um, during the hiatus, Harvey played in Decapitator, Grave Hill, and Scarecrow. All huge names. All yeah. really big names. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not traditional death metal bands, though. They don't sound like Exhumed. Um, and they obviously weren't his band. Yeah. yeah his yeah. band. Um, Harvey later remarked that the passion for music didn't go away, but my passion for exhumed went away, Ooh. which I mean, tracks for a lot of dudes that leave bands. Um, and he came to regret that the band's last recording was a cover album, <laughs> mm. which was kind of shitty. And after playing with those other bands for a while, he felt more rejuvenated and that regret drove him to say like, no, we need to like, do something else. So after about five years, uh, Exhumed got back together uh, with a new lineup to record a new studio album. The idea behind the new album was to embrace the raw sound of Slaughter Cult with the technicality of Anatomy and All Guts No Glory was born. The approach on the album was to get away from the regimented approach they took on Anatomy. And as Harvey said, we let shit slide with the guitars that would have been edited on Anatomy. We left vocal takes that might not be quite as on time as they could be simply to keep the vibe of the song intact. It wasn't a case of contrived regression, but of not overthinking things. So their first album coming back from this hiatus. Yeah. They even say it was sloppy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, well, it wasn't it wasn't sloppy. I think if you if you if you consider the idea that the the thesis of this band is to maintain the live show qualities yeah. in a studio album. That's what they're going for. Like, do they record it all live? No. Or well, they record I mean, it as a band. Like, like they they don't at least from everything I saw, they don't split up. Like, okay, now we're recording they guitar. Don't they don't track things. Yeah, okay. individually. So they do record it live then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But not like. Sorry. Yes. They don't, they don't record, record it at a live at show. At a live show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think it shows on this album. It doesn't sound like, oh, this is really like shitty and off tempo, but it, I mean, it sounds like a band playing a song because it was. Um, <laughs> you know, if you could sum up every album we have on here, I think that might do it. That sounds, sounds like a band it. playing a song. Yeah. Yep. Um, so after touring in support of All Guts, uh, Exhumed dropped an absolute bomb on the death metal landscape in 2013 with Necrocracy. 
Um, the al- album garnered universal praise from fans and critics alike, and while it didn't chart, neither did Heartwork. So, well, get no. shit on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Necrocracy is the album that Exhumed will be remembered for. Uh, it's slower approach to basically the entire album um, lets it really breathe and lets the talent of the band really shine through. They made a conscious effort to make slower songs in an effort to push the the talent part of the band forward, right? So they're they're dialing back a little bit of the like raw aggression stuff. It's still there. Yeah. But they they're they're trying to make sure that everybody knows that they can play their instruments. I don't know if that's what they were going for, but that's that's what it sounds like. I think if I'm not mistaken, it's also like one of the longest run times of their. Oh, it's the first time they've had like a six minute song yeah. for sure. So uh, since 2013, Exhumed re-recorded Gore Metal in its entirety, released as Gore Metal, a Necrospective, and released <laughs> what? <laughs> Just all their puns. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking great. Uh, and they released two new albums, Death Revenge in 2017 and Horror in 2019, and they're still killing it to this day. Um, basically the, 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 like I said, the story of exhumed is a band who is inspired by the best in the business and have put out music that deserves to be listed with the greats of death metal. Um, they deserve more attention and I'm here to give it to them. I, I really, really think that if this music is for you, I guess that's the caveat you have to put out there. If you are a Carcass fan, if you are a Death fan, if you are an Obituary fan, you will be an Exhumed fan, and you will think that some of their albums are up there. Yeah, that's Um, good. Again, coming from someone who is fans of all those bands, I don't give these dudes enough playtime. Well, they've made it to the second round. (laughs) They've made it, and they need to be in the third round, so... Well, unfortunately, they are going against Mastodon. So I don't know if they're going to be in the second, in the third round, but uh, they're in the second round. So let's just take it one day at a time. You know, one episode at a time, one day at a time, one drink at a time. Right? Yep. Mastodon. I'm not going to go through their history. I'm not going to do a straight history lesson. Uh, if you're a fan of this show, if you're a fan of metal, you probably know most of their history. You know that the four guys met in 2000 and the in a basement show for high on fire you know that the two two guys they they met in pairs it was troy and brent and and braun and bill and they all they all played for different bands uh i can't imagine braun and bill hanging out why not i don't know they just bill seems very quiet and braun seems very not isn't that the perfect partnership yeah i guess <laughs> i mean the only reason that that both of us loud men hanging out is because we have to do it at a podcast we've got microphones in front of us yeah no uh uh all uh they all seem i don't know very very nice i told uh, vargas before the before this show started that uh the only one that i don't think i could spend an entire dinner with would be brent um <laughs> yeah he's just a lot yeah the nobody ha- nobody has anything bad to say about him like in interviews and things his bandmates especially but uh for me you know i'm a very particular person yeah uh, it just seems like it seems like a lot uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, so Mastodon, they've been around, they formed in 2000. Uh, their first album, Remission, came out in 2002. Now, the, the weird thing about Mastodon, maybe not weird, but um, 
remission like for us for the first album so basically they recorded songs they handed their demo to relapse and relapse was like we like most of these like whatever but their first album blew up and it was almost immediate success they had like uh big name mag- magazines like already heralding their success like all this stuff um which we normally don't see you don't see that uh i mean exhumed had to be like probably an underground oh definitely you know what i mean yeah, yeah. like you don't get immediate uh media coverage on your first out normally and that's i would say that's surprising for, especially for a band like mastodon because remission is not it's not as careful com- well it, it, no it's not as commercially consumable as even some of their later albums well right? for sure like, because it's one of the heaviest right. of their career uh which i'll which i'll get into um but it, it was such uh, – it had so much critical acclaim because it didn't sound like anything else that was out there. That's true. The closest thing at the time in 2002, you know, would be like doom metal bands or sludge bands. But even that didn't really fit. It was just the guitar tone right. kind of that, that people were, were latching onto. And I think the other the other big thing that they had going for them was that they were not just metalheads. Uh, in an interview with Troy, um, they said – he said one of the main things that brought them together, um, again, this is back in 2000, they they were impressed by each other's CD cases, which I think was <laughs> very cool because I know Vargas and I both had multiple CD binders. Yeah. And like, so you're flipping through your friend's CD binder. You're like, oh, yeah, I like this band. And it was like, you know, they would flip through all Thin Lizzy's in here, uh, Beethoven's in here, Neurosis is in here, like all yeah. this stuff. So it was, they weren't just like, yo, bro, let's go make the fucking deathiest metal we can make. It was just like, four dudes who liked stuff from all over the spectrum who happened to make this really heavy in the, in the truest sense of the word heavy yeah. uh, music that, that nobody was doing. But from there, uh, and I mean, you could say to another degree from Leviathan, but from remission on, they have never sounded the same. Yeah. Um, and that is by design. So everyone in the band leans into or, or leans away from the quote unquote heavy metal tag. Now, I, every god, single it's so lame, am I right? <laughs> oh god, dorks! People who like metal is so stupid. Um, no, every single member. Uh, I mean, most notably Brent. Brent has said in multiple interviews he doesn't even like heavy metal, uh, which is very very strange. Um, but in multiple uh, interviews, I've seen each one say something along the lines of of they don't want to make a record that that sounds like the last one. Right. Right. Like s- those specific words, like Bill said it, Troy said it in an interview with Braun. And then you don't have to, you don't have to watch interviews with uh, Brent because you will learn nothing about, <laughs> about the band. <laughs> They're entertaining, but you won't learn what you want to learn. Um, in an interview with Loudwire, Troy was quoted as saying, we don't consider ourselves a metal band. We recognize there's a lot of metal in us, but we also don't, but we also want to believe we have a lot of rock and roll in us. We have a lot of progressive rock in us. We have bits and pieces of thrash and punk and psychedelicness sprinkled throughout. That was from 2014, and that's when Once More Around the Sun came out, which uh, at the time and maybe up until Hush and Grimm was the biggest departure from quote-unquote traditional Macedon that the world had seen. Yeah, um, is definitely more psychedelic than anything they had done. Uh, the Hunter, remember The Hunter came out before that, and that like – was the first layer of that kind of yeah because you go from blood mountain to or uh, uh i'm sorry um not blood mountain oh god the, the fourth of the the czar the yep. what's it called yep what's it crack, called crack, crack the, the sky. sky 
Crack the Sky E, uh, named after Bronze. Crack, Cracky the Sky. Oh, you're so close. The Crack the Sky was uh, after that, and the Hunter came out, and um, it was that was a departure, right, from what yeah. the four albums previous or five, if you consider the um, the relapse release that came out of all their old ones. I, I can't. I'm blanking on that one too. I don't have all the albums in front of me, so I'm gonna blank on some of them. But it was the biggest departure. Uh, of a Mastodon. Um, when they came together, Bill came from like a more traditional, like technical, he was probably the one who came from the most like technical metal style of, of, of a band. And he, he recalled a story in an interview about the song shadows that move mm-hmm. from their album that came out before re, uh, uh, before remission. I'm going to give me, give me two seconds here because I'm going to look up that, album because it's going to drive me bananas uh call of the mastodon yeah remember they released that after leviathan i think but it was songs that they recorded before or yeah, written like before demo stuff um remission and a song on there shadows that move bill said in rehearsal he was like he went to brent and he was like no you got to play it this way like you got to hit these notes and brent was just sort of like yeah but like what if we make it like more like of a thin lizzy lead and you can hear that in the song yeah like he brings especially brent especially but they all bring so much influence from these outside bands that there's a reason that none of their albums sound the same. And I think it's a good thing. And I think I I'm challenging myself to go back and listen specifically to hushed and grim as a Mastodon album and not as a metal album. Ah. Does that make sense? Yep. Cause definitely I would consider all their albums quote unquote metal. Yeah. Besides hush up, up till hush and grim. But each one is like, I mean, is it really, is is once more around the sun really a metal album or is it a mastodon album right with metal songs on it yeah you know what i mean so that's what i'm yeah, trying to do with you, hush and grim yeah and i think you're correct like you have to you have to analyze mastodon's music as progressive rock not as or just progressive you could just stop at progressive yeah, yeah. I, I mean it's it's far closer to dream theater than it is exhumed right oh yeah for sure like, even though remission is again some of the heaviest stuff yeah that, that in in the world of metal it's still that's from 2002 yeah we are now in, that's 20 years later right. you know so like of course and again to me i appreciate bands like amon marth yeah you know what you're gonna get <laughs> you know what you're signing up for you know what you're signing up for you can listen to the first album and their most recent album and you're like yep this is the same <laughs> ideas the same yep process mastodon you also know what you're going to get which is mastodon well you know the guitar tones you're going to get you don't know what songs you're going to get but that's but that's what i mean you know you know you're going to get mastodon what you can only expect the unexpected right 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 um so with with mastodon it's it's very interesting i think that's what gives them this longevity and this popularity at least in the metal community for for so long because i think we talked about it uh maybe on debates or, or something else, but, or maybe just in person, but, um, hush and grim was critically acclaimed. Like everybody yeah. fucking loved that album. And, uh, Brendan and I were both sitting there like, I don't see it. Right. right. So again, if I go back challenging myself, go back, listen to this as a Mastodon album and get my expectations out the window. Yeah. Cause they're coming off of, uh, King of, King of sand. What is sand, 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 sand people. people. <laughs> it's the Star Wars concept album that the <laughs> fans have been clamoring oh, for. Oh, Emperor, Emperor of Sand, <laughs> not King of Sand. Uh, they're coming off Emperor of Sand, which 
It was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. One of the best metal albums of the past, you know, 10 years. Uh, they're coming off of that and they're giving you Hush and Grim, which Troy specifically said after, uh, I think I think it was after Emperor of Sand came out, he said, we've never wanted to make, you know, album part two. They've never wanted to make yeah. Crack the Sky part two sure. or Leviathan part two. They don't want to make the album that they just made. They're like, okay, this is done. Let's go make a new album. Right. So it's always been there. It's always been, well, duh, that's not going to sound the same. But I think with my expectations so high coming off of Emperor of Sand, um, I think I was let down because of myself. So anyway, long story short, I'm going to go back and re-listen to that like with a fresh head. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, another fun story with them. Um, everybody thinks that Shavo from System of a Down uh, almost killed Brent Hines. Oh, when he like got he uh, fell VM, off a stage after, or something no, it was after the VMAs. Yeah, uh, the Video Music Award, MTV's Video Music Awards, um, and it was like at an after party. And the story was that Shavo and Hines got in a fight because uh, what did happen was Brent got a broken nose, two black eyes, and a brain hemorrhage. Like he legit almost died. Yikes! Um, but it was never with Shavo. It was like one of Shavo's friends, I guess, or like associate, like somebody he knew, because they were all playing drinking games at an after party. <laughs> and so, like, if you're your fourth game in, yeah, people yeah. are gonna say whatever. Uh, and, and again, I can't stress this enough. Brent is a unique individual, right? Um, but the reports came out afterward that um, an, someone else, an associate of Shavo. Um, I, which I'm not going to name because it doesn't matter, uh, was the primary suspect and all the parties involved were said to be in part of a drinking game. And Troy came out after that and was like, look, like we've never like we're all of us are friends with the dudes in system of a down. Yeah. Like we're all friends with each other. That's not what happened. So you may, I, up until I saw that interview, I believed that system of down guitarists almost <laughs> killed Brett Hines. So I've always like had a weird, like resentment to system of a down, <laughs> But uh, you can erase that because it wasn't him. Yeah, it was his buddy. It was his friend who probably <laughs> told him to do it. So now we're going to dox that guy. <laughs> um, so if you if you are a fan, you probably already know this. If you're trying to get into Mastodon, um, an interesting fun fact. Scott Kelly of Neurosis has been on every single Mastodon album as a guest vocalist except Remission and Hushed and Grim. Every single one. Oh, I didn't know he was on. He wasn't on Hushed and Grim. Yep. I thought it was his first one, but then I went yeah. back and I realized he wasn't wasn't on remission. Um, before naming the band, the I think it was Braun called Scott Kelly because they were all like friends, uh, or I, I don't know if they were friends, but they knew they knew him somehow. Yeah, enough to have his number. Right, right, right. right. Uh, and they, and they asked if Mastodon was a cool name for a band. Uh, at the time, Scott asked his son, his like twelve or thirteen year old son, was like, "Is Mastodon a cool name?" And the kid was like, yeah, that is a cool name. So Mastodon stuck with yeah. the original thing, which I think is pretty that cool. Because it is a cool name. It, it is a cool name. Um, in an interview with uh, the Grammys, when they were, I think it was their most recent, nom- or before Hush and Grimm for yeah. Emperor. Emperor of Sand, um, Troy and Braun mentioned how Neurosis was the biggest common ground before between all four members. Uh-huh. How like Neurosis was the one band where they were all like, you like Neurosis? And yeah. Like, fuck, it, fuck yeah, of course I like Neurosis. So it it uh, is clear why they got him at every opportunity they could. Sure. Speaking of Grammys, 
It's the last bit on Mastodon we'll go into about how underappreciated they are in the public eye, I think. Sure. Um, they've gotten multiple late-night American talk show appearances. Um, they've been nominated for five Grammys now because Hush and Grimm, Pushing the Tides, was nominated for Best Metal Performance. Of course, we don't know at the time of this recording yeah. uh, who won. But um, I'm going to go through the list. They won once. So they won for Best Metal Performance, Sultan's Curse. Uh, that is the one that they won in 2018. Yeah. I'm going to go through all their losses. Because okay. it is infuriating on yeah. who they lost to. Yeah, yeah, Much yeah. like, again, none of us, no no metal fan really holds faith in the Grammys after Jethro Tull. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this will maybe just solidify it a little more. In 2007, Colony of Birchman was nominated for Best Metal Performance. That lost to Slayer, Eyes of the Insane. Okay. Like... I disagree that the song is better. Yeah, everybody who's voting for the Grammys is going to know Slayer and not know Mastodon. Right, so, especially okay. on their third album. Right, right. Okay, fine. That's a, right. It's a big fine. Right, <laughs> 2012. Yeah. This, first of all, <laughs> I'm very irritated because Crack the Sky, uh-huh. which is I know I couldn't remember the name earlier, but it's probably my favorite uh-huh. Mastodon album, was not nominated anywhere. No performance. No album. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. so there's, there's an, I'm going to count that as another yeah, loss. Okay. <laughs> so in 2012, Curl of the Burl was nominated for Best Hard Rock Slash Metal Performance. Now, uh-huh. this is whenever they combined the two for oh, like yeah. a year or two, whatever they did, and everybody was like, this sucks. Like, get this get this out of here. Yeah. They lost Mastodon. Yeah. Lost a Grammy nod to the Foo Fighters <laughs> yeah. for White Limo. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, Foo Fighters are great. Is yeah. White Limo a better song than Curl of the Burl? Can anyone out there hum White Limo? Yeah, as soon as I said curl the burl the first time, I guarantee you 10% of our listeners were, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2015, uh-huh. High Road uh-huh. was nominated for Best Metal Performance. They got back to Metal Performance. That lost to Tenacious D last oh, yeah. in line. I forgot about that. And I think the, uh, the comedy band yeah, cover. Yeah, it would be like if if uh, a huge metal band lost to Death Clock at the Grammys, not at like some like yeah, but funny... Death Clock doing a cover, yeah, yeah, because it wasn't even their song. Yeah, uh, twenty eighteen again, they won, uh, and that was for uh, oh, I'm sorry, um, twenty eighteen. So they they won best metal performance on Sultan's Curse, right? Yeah. Emperor of Sand, the album was nominated for best rock album, which again I just dove into how it's a Mastodon album, yeah. it's not a metal yeah, yeah, album, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, but when you if you have best metal performance, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's skip skip all that. Yeah. Best rock album. Do you know who they lost to? Uh, probably Taylor Swift's 1989 or some shit. Well, I would accept that. <laughs> <laughs> no. They lost to a band called The War on Drugs, and the album was A Deeper Understanding. Now, this album, I listened to one song off the album. It's not bad by any sure. means. Is it Grammy Award winning? First of all, no, but it is so far on the other spec on the other side of the spectrum of rock. Yeah, that it's like so indie soft rock. Sure, and it beat out Mastodon. And again, nobody on this that listens to this show will know the War on Drugs. I guarantee it. Well, I don't guarantee it. Maybe they're more rounded than we are. Yeah. Would you say it's like Mastodon losing to like Imagine Dragons yeah. or some shit? The great, so but good. less uh, like. I mean, even more indie, right? Great. Great. 
Yeah, I'll show you after the after we record what they sound. Like. It, it's like Mastodon losing to uh, Gautier. Uh, just somebody that I used to know. I think I think it would be closer to that, but less, the one so I heard good. was less catchy. Great, right? Great. So I, again, in our world, the Grammys are bad. No one should listen to the Grammys. Yeah, you summed it up. You summed it up perfectly. Uh, I'm I'm trying to see who, because again, Hushton Grimm, pushing the tides, got nominated for uh, a Grammy. So I'm trying to see who they're going up against, because again, we don't know who wins yet at the time of this recording. Um, so the 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 nominees this time are a little better. Okay. Right. And then again, this is for metal performance. Yeah. So you have Deftones with Genesis, which I've never been a Deftones fine. fan, but I know they're big in the world. Yeah. Fine. Dream Theater for Alien. Also fine. Gojira for Amazonia. Okay, there we go. Mastodon for Pushing the Tides. Okay. And Rob Zombie, The Triumph of King no. Freak, a crypt. Let me finish the title no, of the song. No, I will not. The Triumph of King Freak, a crypt of perser- preservation and superstition. Now, if they would have nominated Dragula, I would have. <laughs> Just nominate that song I every year. understood. Every year. <laughs> yeah, so, but again, this list is much better than it's been in the past. However, I would say that Amazonia is a better song than Pushing the Tides. But again, I got to get in my Mastodon brain instead of my metal brain. Yeah, but also you're not wrong. Yeah, I never am, man. Amazonia is a better song. Never am. And Gojira deserves to win a Grammy. Well, they have, but they deserve to win another one. Yeah, this year. Well, I don't actually, I don't think Gojira has one. Well, they deserve another Grammy for Amazonia. They do. They deserve all the Grammys <laughs> they for do, they any, do. all of their albums. All the all the categories. Uh, hey, thanks for listening to everybody except Chris Barnes. Uh, you, you shouldn't listen to us. We just dog on you. We only <laughs> dog on you, and that's it. Yeah, well, that's because you refuse to come on our show and defend yourself, Chris. Bet you won't. Bet you won't. <laughs> uh, but thank you, everybody else, for listening. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on whatever you listen to us on. It helps a lot. If you don't want to use Spotify, we totally get it. We're on there. But we're on everything else too: iTunes, Google Play, um, SoundCloud. We're trying to get on like the really smaller ones where like people may have their own podcast, you know, podcast app or whatever. So, if we're not on an app and you want us to be on an app, let us let know. us know, yeah. and I'll do what I can to get our RSS feed there. Yeah, we don't want you to download an app just because we aren't on the one that you use. Yeah. So uh, if, if that's if that's the case, let us know, and we'll get on that one. Uh, um, just let us know. You can let us know it. The Onslaught Pod, that's on Twitter and Instagram, or the Onslaught Podcast at gmail.com, and we will we will make it happen. I will burn down any building I need to to make it happen. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a Brian guarantee, and you can believe in those. Uh, as we said, March 6th, 1 p.m., if you are in the Kansas City area, come hang out. We've already gotten donations um, for the event, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, we don't have a goal or anything, but we are. if we did, I would think we would be well on our way to the goal, so that's awesome. Our goal is $1, and we blown it out of the water. Blew it the fuck up. Uh, you can win. Besides coming out watching uh, watching podcasts play Mario Golf with each other for the right to name their social media, you can also win free beer for a year, which I think is pretty baller. Yeah. Pretty baller is maybe the most under excited thing I could have said about what that is, but that's free beer for a year from Boulevard. Um, one of the participants, our friends at First Issue Club, are giving away a PlayStation 4, yeah. uh, so you can win that as well and a bunch and it, of other different prizes. It's not just PlayStation 4. It's the Last of Us 2 Special Edition PlayStation 4, so it comes with the game as well. Dude, and that's a really good game. 
So uh, if you're in the Kansas City area, March 6th, 1 p.m. Cinder Block, come out and hang out with us, have some beer uh, for a good cause, Hope House here in Kansas City. I think that's it. Uh, we will see you next Wednesday. And remember, Chris Barnes sucks. <laughs> Roasted him. <laughs> <laughs>